0: This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. For 10% off your first air purifier, visit M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com and enter the promo code FULL 10 at checkout. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard! Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. All right, it's Thursday. We've got another great episode of Industry Focus Energy planned for you. Jason Hall is with us once again. Jason, how are you doing?
1: I am doing fantastic. I'm doing quite good, quite good. I'm, I'm kind of mad that, that all my favorite yield Cos keep merging and getting bought out and going going private. So let's let's how about we talk about that?
0: Yeah yeah, so it's it's been yeah, you mentioned that. it's been kind of a crazy year. Uh, Jason, you've been a big fan of, of Terraform Power, which is a yield Co. Uh, as well as Pattern Energy, both, both of which um, have been acquired or gone private in the case of Pattern Energy. And then in the, the news we're going to talk about today, this week, Terraform Power shares are up 11% on the announcement Monday that Brookfield Renewable Partners is going to make a $4 billion all-stock offer to acquire the remaining 38.5% of the business that it doesn't already own. Jason, I kind of I kind of mentioned you own both of these stocks, both Brookfield Renewable and Terraform Power. What was your reaction to that news when you heard about it?
1: Um It was a little bit of just like, Okay, fine, um, and not not you know any 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 like major big deal. So you go back a couple of years ago, and we'll talk about it more in the show. But you go back a couple of years ago, and Brookfield Renewable, um, through its sponsor uh, Brookfield Asset Management and some other partners, already you know had a controlling stake in the business and has for three, I guess, about three years now. So I think to a certain extent, a lot a lot of us have just kind of thought it was an inevitability. That Terraform was going to get rolled into Brookfield Renewable. Um, most of us were we were just waiting and hoping that it wouldn't happen for a while because a lot of us that that bought over the past couple of years have done really well, capturing the better yield that Terraform has. So I was just hoping to milk what for me was about an eight and a half or nine percent yield on my on my investment, my actual cost for a little bit longer. But oh well, you know, great companies get acquired by other great companies all the time.
0: Sure. Yeah, You've mentioned that over time, uh, it's kind of been expected. And as we've talked about it in the show with Terraform Power, this relationship with Brookfield is a, kind of a big part of, of the thesis for the company or why we were so um, attracted to it. But yep. it, you know, it ha- has been for a long time, as you said, uh, a suspicion that sooner or later these companies were going to come together. Why do you think now was the time uh, that these those companies chose to combine?
1: So, I, th- I think probably the biggest one is something that, that Brookfield Recently announced that it was going to do with Brookfield Renewable Partners, um, and the, the, just the timing made sense in terms of the corporate structure change. We'll talk a little bit about too um, to go ahead and combine combine the whole entity into a single into a single corporation, um, especially for current investors in Terraform Powers. So the short version: Terraform Powers is, is a corporation. Brookfield Renewable Partners is uh, is a, <clears throat> a publicly traded partnership. There's some differences with the tax implications. There can be challenges between holding uh, the partnerships in in tax you know tax uh, advantaged accounts like 401ks and Roth IRAs and and traditional IRAs. So I think it was just a more share friendly a shareholder friendly time to do it versus doing it. When Brook, if Brookfield Renewable was going to remain a partnership, it, it wouldn't have been necessarily the most the most um, shareholder-friendly way to acquire Terraform Power with a stock transaction.
0: Sure. I think one other thing that you know I noticed when you look at this transaction that I suspect may have played a role as, as well, if you look over the past several years, these stocks have kind of traded together, or the stocks have kind of moved up and down together. Uh, you saw over the last three months or so, uh, that those kind of diverged, and the you know uh, the Brookfield Renewable Partners stocks can kind of continued up um, on their upward trend, while, while Terraform kind of flattened off. When you're doing an all stock uh, transaction, when you can kind of uh, exchange your higher price stock uh, for a lower price stock that you think is undervalued, uh, there's some attractiveness there um, as well.
1: A little arbitrage.
0: Exactly, and that's you know Bruce Flatt and the folks at at Brookfield are great at finding those opportunities to buy assets that are undervalued, or maybe when the when the market doesn't recognize you know the true worth that they have. But you mentioned this changeover in the structure of Brookfield Renewable, and that's kind of that's raised some questions among investors. We did get a a question from our listener Rod in Albuquerque who says, "I currently own." Uh, Terraform power in a Roth IRA with the upcoming merger with Brookfield Renewable. Will he now have an MLP in his Roth, or will it only be the new corporation? Uh, as you mentioned, there's there's moves to to transition Brookfield Renewable uh, into a, into a a, um, a a corporation. So uh, for, for investors that own both of these both of these companies in, in a tax advantaged account, uh, how how should they be thinking about th- this merger and how how it will affect uh, you know those holdings in, in tax advantaged accounts?
1: So I'm gonna a couple couple things. So first of all, um, just for for just to explain for everybody that's listening, this is just really good information to have as you're as you're investing. In general, you know, if you if you have a Roth IRA, a traditional IRA, or a four hundred one k that you can buy stocks in, one of the biggest benefits is being able to take advantage of deferring, or in the case of a Roth, avoiding any any taxes whatsoever on your investments, right? Um, the the catch with with um, with uh, MLPs master limited partnerships uh, or publicly traded partnerships is that many of them generate in a type of income that's called unrelated business taxable income or UBTI the thing with UBTI is if you're if you earn through through the dividends that you're paid if you earn, <coughs> more than a $1000 in UBTI in any one year and that's not just in in each each IRA so let's say you've got a Roth IRA and then you've got a rollover IRA from a prior employer and then you've got another 401k that you own some stocks in that you're able to own stocks in across all of those accounts if you generate more than $1000 in UBTI <clears throat> You, you, you actually have to pay tax so it's a it's as, as you know for younger investors it's not necessarily that big of a concern but as you as you get older as your wealth increases you know the potential of, of creating a tax event inside of a tax advantage account is why in general um, it's recommended that you avoid owning these kind of partnerships inside of your retirement accounts now with that said of the, the general outlay <coughs> of, of owning partnerships, the Brookfield partnership, so Brookfield Renewable, Brookfield Infrastructure Partners, um, that they, they, they don't generate UBTI through their investments. They're they're structured in a way so that's really not not a concern. But some brokerages still won't let you buy any company that's that's a partnership inside of your retirement accounts. So even though they say it's okay, sometimes some brokerages won't still won't even let you buy it. So that's a limitation, right? So so that's Rod's concern. Is if he gets these BEP shares, you know how what's what's it what's it going to do for him? And since it's Brookfield, since it's Brookfield, it really would it really wouldn't create any tax event for you. Um, but again, the bigger idea is Brookfield wants to go ahead and make that a non-issue. But the other part of it too, and I think honestly, this might be a bigger one, as its partnerships have gotten larger, more valuable, and as the opportunity to grow. In these renewable spaces, and as global infrastructure spending grows, you know, these 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 entities are going to get much much bigger over the next decade, and you, you, you're, they're really limited in terms of showing up in major stock indices, being structured as partnerships. So I think there's the potential, especially as the, in, the, the in, as indexes and in, indexing index funds have become a bigger way most people invest, it's going to create a larger potential pool of investors, and that means more capital. For these for these growth focused growth focused entities, does that make sense? Did I yeah. explain that well?
0: Yeah. So 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 Brookfield is making these moves to convert their uh, their existing partnerships into corporations. We're seeing that occur with Brookfield Renewable Partners. Uh, they're creating a Brookfield Renewable uh, Corporation. Uh, they're doing the same uh, with Brookfield Infrastructure Corporation, where you'll be able to own in a, in a corporate form uh, the the economic equivalent uh, of owning Brookfield Infrastructure Partners. Uh, as these you know Brookfield's obviously making it a big priority of giving investors the opportunity to own uh, these previously partnerships in a corporation form that the investor would like as uh, you know it, unrelated to the Terraform power merger as as you know Brookfield opens up these these continued opportunities to own uh, Brookfield infrastructure Brookfield renewable in a in a corporate form if you're an investor that only owns that only owns the the partnerships today as uh, the opportunity to, to own the, the corporation rises, what, what are the pros and cons of an investor switching over to owning that corporate form versus just continuing to hold uh, the, the partnership that, that they already own today?
1: So The, the key thing here is that uh, when you think about a corporation uh, versus a partnership, you get different tax documents. You get your Schedule K-1 for your partnerships and most of your taxes are are you know the, the 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 distribution that you earn is probably going to be taxed at your marginal income tax rate versus a qualified dividend uh which is what most corporations are able to pay that is taxed at the 15% for most earners taxed at the 15% uh long-term gains tax rate so again we 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 haven't seen what the yield's going to be because you know the because the corporation the corporate entity We'll pay corporate income taxes. The partnership is a—it's a pass. What they call a pass-through It's designed to pass more cash through without paying taxes internally. So, so there's a lot of kind of move that you know, moving needle, um, <clears throat> or kind of the needle needs to move on some certain things to really understand what you're buying to say for sure. But in general, a corporation you pay lower taxes on your dividends, and you get a ten ninety nine. So it's a little bit cleaner when it comes time to uh, actually do or file your taxes at the end of the year. Um, what am I, I going to do? I'm, I'm probably not going to do anything, again, until I see what the numbers look like. And it could be an opportunity, kind of like what Dick, Nick mentioned earlier with how Terraform stock has kind of diverged over the past three months or so from uh, Brookfield renewable stock. Honestly, I might just play arbitrage and, and buy one or the other as I'm adding over time based on if it looks like one is a better valuation for some strange reason, which which sometimes you see that with dual share stocks. Sometimes every once in a while the market gets kind of screwy and one just one's just cheaper for some reason.
0: Sure, yeah. You already can see that in some instances. I don't know how big the difference is, but there already exists Brookfield Property REIT in addition to Brookfield Property Partners. So We're seeing a similar framework play out with the changes that the company is making to Brookfield Infrastructure Partners and Brookfield Renewable Partners. We'll have to see as the details come down from the company. I'm sure we'll talk about that on this show. Going back to the Terraform power merger with Brookfield Renewable, when you look at the assets uh, that this brings together bring bring together the terraform assets with with Brookfield Renewable., uh, what does this kind of create for the business going forward? And do you f- feel this business is stronger together than they were separately?
1: Yeah, I, yeah. I th- there's definitely some benefits to combining it. It's gonna it should be you know, just right off the top. it's gonna be more I think it's going to be more cost efficient um, just because you know corporate structure should should cost should go down um you, I, th- I think you're going to see the retention of the best management from both uh, the management that was running Terraform power are, are all people with uh, the Brookfield background anyway. so I don't know that it necessarily strengthens management it should just there should be you know I hate this this term but you know you should see cost efficiencies you really should because you know uh, terraform, uh, Brookfield already knows everything about Terraform, how it's run, knows where it can find cost opportunities. But I think the biggest thing <clears throat> is that Brookfield Renewable pre-merger is still, I don't know, almost three-quarters of its cash flows come from um, Hydroelectric. That's just kind of what it, where its legacy business is. After this merger, um, oh, I think more than forty percent of its cash flows are gonna are gonna come from from wind and solar. So it's it's really moving the entire business towards where the where the market is and where the real opportunity is, and that's corresponding to the costs of wind and solar production. And now with energy storage costs falling so much, that, that are really on parity with with just about any other source of, of, of electricity on a global basis. So, I think the timing is right to, to simplify how, how, how Brookfield invests. If you, if you look back at Terraform Power's biggest needle-moving transaction since, since the acquisition, it acquired, I think, Syeda is how you pronounce it, it was a Spanish wind and solar um, producer. And that was funded by equity investments that uh, Brookfield made into, into Terraform Power. So now instead of Brookfield giving money to Terraform Power and then Terraform Power going and spending that money on the asset, it's just one, one business. and then one business makes a business decision on what assets to buy, what assets to sell, what assets to, to uh, improve, you know whatever, however it works. So I think it really does make a lot of sense in the long term to really to leverage the best growth as, as, a, as a business unit. Sure.
0: Yeah, when we've talked about in the past Brookfield Renewable, uh, the fact that they were so overweight to hydroelectric versus having that exposure to to wind um, and solar, it really is exciting to get that get that exposure now in Brookfield Renewable. Uh, last question, kind of kind of on this merger, we saw the shares pop up eleven uh, percent when the merger news was announced. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, the premium that uh, that Brookfield Renewable is offering coincidentally is eleven percent above where uh, the shares were trading at that time. Uh, right. We 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 see this transaction is very likely to close given the relationship between Brookfield Renewable and Terraform Power. As someone who owns Terraform Power, how are you going to handle your shares in this period between now um, and the closing of this transaction?
1: I'm, I'm not. It's business as usual for me. I you know I own significant shares of both um, <clears throat> for for looking at them for high yield and for the long term dividend growth. Um and and, that, and that's. That's not changing. I've also kind of kept them in the same bucket in terms of uh, exposure risk, uh, because so much about Terraform Power is is tied to uh, Brookfield, and it's you know it's a related party already. So in a way, I've kind of already considered them one unit in terms of 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 that risk. So I'm not I'm not making any changes. I'm not selling Terraform because of this. I'm not I'm not I'm I'm not going to make any changes to my portfolio. Um, I'm just I'm just kind of expanding, um, you know, the, some of the other entities that I'm looking for um, in terms of where I'm going to invest new money. That's probably the only thing that I'm doing different.
0: Yeah, to Jason's point about expanding the entities that we're looking for. On the back half of the show, we'll share with you a couple more renewable yield codes that you might want to add to your watch list. But first, this episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Molecule. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with air purifier here's a New Year's resolution for you. Stop breathing contaminated air. The American Lung Association says that more than 140 million Americans are living with unhealthy air, and you don't have to be one of them. Molecule's technology has been proven effective and verified by science, but most importantly, it's tested by real people. And Molecule has given allergy and asthma sufferers around the country an all-new experience. Breakthrough Pico technology across a range of products provides a solution for the entire home when it comes to air purification. No matter the size of your room, you can choose the option that's best for your space, whether that be the Molecule Air for large rooms or the Molecule Air Mini for smaller rooms. Through Molecule's reinvented air purifier, Molecule doesn't just collect air pollutants, it destroys them on a molecular level. This includes viruses, bacteria, gaseous chemicals, and mold. When you turn on Molecule, you're creating the purest air possible, combating allergy season by destroying allergens in the home. Molecule is easy to use and has a clean, sleek, and modern design, using a sleek, solid aluminum shell that fits in any room of your home. In fact, the molecule has found itself in the homes of fools across the company, including Foolish analyst Jim Mueller. Simply put, fools swear by their molecules. If you'd like to try out a molecule for yourself, we've got a deal just for our listeners. For 10% off your first air purifier, visit molekul and enter the promo code FOOL10 at checkout. That's m o l e k u l e dot com and promo code fool ten. Okay, Jason, we talked about on the first half of the show how how this year has really kind of been brutal uh, for some of our favorite yield codes. Terraform Power merging with Brookfield Renewable, Pattern Energy getting taken private by a Canadian uh, pension fund. Uh, since since those companies are no longer on the market, it's time to start looking uh, for new renewable yield codes to add to our watch list. Jason, do you have a couple companies you want to share with us?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, I've got I've got a, a couple that are on my on my list. Uh, if you want, you want to. S- we'll start. We can start talking about Atlantica Yield. The ticker is AY. How's that sound?
0: Yeah. Well, before we get into Atlantica Yield, Jason, when you're just looking uh, at, at just across this sector at yield codes, what are you looking for in these companies? What are the boxes you like to check off uh, that that says this is a company that's attractive to me?
1: So there's probably three things that I, I kind of focus on. Um, number one is trying to find. Um, a, a good margin of safety. And what I mean by margin of safety, because you know, in typical terms, you think of margin of safety, you think, hey, it's a company that's got a ton of cash sitting on their balance sheet, a company that doesn't have very much debt. Uh, but and the, the reality is that you look at any of these yield codes, and generally they don't carry very much cash on their balance sheet and they all have a lot of debt. So how can they have margin of safety? And the way they have margin of safety is they have strong contracted <coughs> cash flows. Uh, Just like any other utility, they 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 invest in these in these wind and solar farms, natural gas plants in a few cases, uh, Atlantica yields case in water uh, water systems, Uh, and then they have these long term contracts to to sell the output or they're uh, regulated. You know they have some units that are regulated utilities. So you know these kind of businesses they generate steady cash flows no matter the economic environment, right? So you want to look at find the ones that. That that have the contracts in place for for large cash flows that support their dividend, um, and and don't put them at risk of you know big you know the big interest expenses that they're not going to be able to meet that are going to force them to then cut their dividend and and leave investors high and dry. So that's the first thing I look for. Next thing I look for is that typically with these YLCOs they have a they have a sponsor they have another company in the background. It's either publicly traded, like Brookfield Asset Management, <clears throat> is for for the the Brookfield family of, of entities, or in Atlantic uh, Atlantica Yields case, uh, it's privately held. Uh, global Infrastructure Partners. Uh, you want you want to have a strong financial backer, typically that has some experience in that specific that specific arena of assets and a history of of being a good. Responsible investor and a long-term focused investor. Uh, so those are the two things that I look for. Number three, I usually try to <clears throat> try to find, you know, uh, the uh, this is a second part of the of the margin of safety, but specific to the yield. You know, I like to find one that is that is generating, you know, twenty percent more cash flows, distributable cash flows, um, <clears throat> than than they actually. Need to support their dividend. That's usually a pretty good margin of safety for this kind of kind of business.
0: Okay, Jason. So taking that framework, let's now move on and, and talk about Atlantica Yield. When you when you take a look at their assets, you mentioned the, the water assets that they have. What what really stands out to you about the business?
1: So you know, you you, you hit on a couple things. Uh, it, you know, it's, it does have a strong yield. Um, uh, you know, eighteen years weighted average contract life is is quite good. Um, again, to that's the source of those predictable cash flows. Um, so those are things that I definitely like. Also like the fact that it's actually relatively small, with you know, 25 assets and about you know 1.5 gigawatts of of uh, energy generation capacity. It's certainly on the smaller on the smaller side. Um, so that you know, you just kind of draw that out on paper, and it says, well, hey, this should be be one that has an opportunity for outsized growth because. It can participate in smaller deals that can give it meaningful gains and results, right? So those are things that I definitely like a lot about it. Uh, geographically, it's it's um, it's got some interesting diversity. Uh, it's got some assets in Europe. It's got assets in North America. It's got assets in South America. Um, so those are things that I definitely like about it. Um, now, let's talk about why I haven't bought it yet. Um, why why it's just been on my on my watch list for a few months. And I think the short version is, if you look at its corporate history, um, I, I just I, I, I've, I'm not completely convinced um, that that it's that it's. I'm not completely confident in its corporate backing at this point. Um, it was founded um, by Abingoa, which is um, I'm probably not pronouncing that correctly. It's a, Sp- a Spanish company. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of years ago, uh, it sold off most of its stake to Algonquin uh, Power and Utilities, uh, which is a Canadian uh, utility company that actually has a lot of uh, operations in North America, in the in the U.S. Uh, and I think Algonquin owns a little over, you know, forty, about forty-five percent of the company now. Um, so here's here's where I'm here's where I'm concerned. Number one, it's it's had a fairly recent transition. In in its sponsorship, which in and of itself isn't isn't necessarily a bad thing, Uh, but the difference here, you know, so you think, well, you've got a a Canadian, you know, uh, you know, utility company that's that's getting involved. That kind of sounds like Brookfield, right? Uh, The the difference is that um, Algonquin doesn't really have the same history of 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 developing assets outside of the regulated uh, utility space, and and I think I just I want to. I want to. I want to kind of give the story time to play out a little bit more. Um, Algonquin and Abengoa have a joint venture that they've created to to develop uh, renewable, primarily just renewable assets. And Atlantica has a first right of refusal, which is the typical way these deals are structured. When there's a, a sponsorship for a yield, a sponsor and a yield co, in other words, it has the right to to kind of pick and choose from this list of developed assets uh, and buy the ones that it that it's the most interested in. Um, so that's that's kind of good. But I again, I just I, it's 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 typical, but and it looks good. But I. I want to give it time to play out and see how it does, it does it, does it generate meaningfully positive results? Um, is is Algonquin really committed to this venture, or is it going to get to a point where it's not able to really focus on its regulated utilities business and it's not able to really dedicate the resources to to this to this joint venture and to Atlantica? So I'm just, you know, that's that's my concern. That's why I'm not ready to pull the trigger just yet.
0: Yeah, still it still sounds like evaluating management, making sure that you know the, the assets that they, they now control are going to be managed in a way that is going to consistently produce returns for shareholders over time. Uh, moving on to Clearway energy that's the the second uh, stock that you've added to your watch list. What really stands out to, to you about uh, about Clearway Energy?
1: So Clearway Energy ticker CWEN um, I think it owns like what seven, seven gigawatts. Yes. of power generation, mostly wind and solar, and some natural gas. So again, it's it's substantially bigger um, than uh, <clears throat> than Atlantica Yield. It's also a more familiar name uh, in North America. It was formerly called NRG Yield. Uh, it was sponsored by NRG Energy, the the um, the utility, um <clears throat> Global Infrastructure Partners, which is a uh, private. Uh, private, uh, privately held private equity infrastructure investment partnership acquired it um, about a year and a half ago, and re- renamed it um, renamed it Clearway Energy. Um, so the the here's so the things that concern me about it. Um, really, it's it's not the things; it's the thing. Uh, it has pretty outsized exposure. To Pacific Gas and Electric (PG&E), um, which most most listeners should be familiar with, that's the the large regulated California utility uh, that's going through bankruptcy. Um, it's related to all the fires uh, out here in California that um, that that's it. It has some liability for, um, and and the thing is that the, the substantial amount of of its cash flows are tied to selling power to PG&E. Um, So one of the things I saw the number thirty percent,
0: Jason, uh, thirty percent. So just a really significant customer for them.
1: Yeah. So the the, the, so there's the the risk. The risk there is is depending on what happens with uh, with its bankruptcy. You know, there's the first risk is there's a risk of those cash flows getting slashed Um, if if uh, the bankruptcy courts require. You know, renegotiation of those of those rates. Um, I'm not particularly concerned about that, to be honest with you, because they're not exactly, you know, these aren't sweetheart deals. Um, They seem to be pretty fair, fair uh, market rate deals. So, um, so that's in that's in Clearway's favor. Uh, But you look at the the you go back to when did they when did they cut the dividend about a year or so ago? I guess they slashed the dividend in half when when this when the rumblings were coming, the PG and E's um uh bankruptcy so so I guess the sh- the best way to put it is that right now management's really focusing on you know deleveraging the balance sheet, cutting costs, um putting it in a little bit better financial position to have a little bit mar- bigger margin of safety uh with the idea that going forward, if it has you know large customers, number one that it's, it does, it's trying to reduce its exposure to single customers, number two creating a situation where it, it won't have to slash its dividend in half if there is a, a major issue with one of its large customers going forward. Um, I think for me, I think I'm at a point now where I'm relatively, I'm relatively confident with 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 where the business is. Um, the the yield is sustainable where it is. Um, cash flows are going to grow. I don't know. I think they'll grow probably. Fifteen to twenty percent this year. Tar- I think their target is eighteen percent. Um, so it should produce a pretty substantial amount of of cash available for distribution. Um, and and then once you know once the PG&E bankruptcy kind of plays out a little bit more, um, there's a substantial amount of cash that it has that's sitting at a, at a um, at one of its subsidiaries that it can't even touch. And then the you know the rain should come off of that, and then it should be able to redeploy that cash flow. Uh, whether it uses it for a special dividend or to pay down debt or to acquire new assets remains to be seen. But, but the point is, I think I think the company is pretty strong right now. There's some line of sight to what's going on, and um, I've I've got I've got <clears throat> faith in, in Global Infrastructure Partners. They're a big name. They're they're well established, um, and they're really good at what they do. So I um I, yeah I think I think I'm ready. Honestly, I think this is going to move from my watch list and it's going to get added to my portfolio. Probably in the next month.
0: Yeah, Jason. Just to kind of to kind of add to the the things that you said, they had to they cut the dividend last year. But before the PG and E issues really materialized, they had they had been on track to increase their dividend five to eight percent, which is a pretty pretty healthy amount. Uh, PG and E is still paying those those bills on those power purchase agreements as they come due. It's just because of the the nature of the way bankrupt proceedings are. Those those assets are kind of put into uh, escrow until all the proceedings can can kind of be decided. So, it's it's really difficult for a clear way right now, because they have this money that otherwise would be coming in they could redeploy that's just kind of sitting in cash. But it seems likely that PG&E will emerge from bankruptcy. And with these agreements more or less intact, that's still a question mark. But as as that cash... Uh, becomes comes free again. It really opens up a lot of opportunities for the company. Maybe they can raise that dividend back up to where it had been previously. Uh, but at the very least, the way the cash flows are, are, are playing out, you should get pretty reliable uh, increases in dividend payouts over time. And if you look at the way their debt is trading, uh, you mentioned that you know thirty percent of PG and E's cash flow, or excuse me, uh, Clearway Energy's cash flow is related to PG and E. But if you look at the way their debt's trading, all their debt that at least that I looked at is trading above par. So there's not a lot of concern in the credit markets. Said that that the the company is not going to be able to because they've lost access to this cash flow that they're going to have issues. Really strong balance sheet. There's some concerns hanging over the stock, but I think from my from my view, I agree with you, Jason. That this seems to be an opportunity if you're looking for you know a yield co, reliable payout over time.
1: Yeah, I think I think uh, probably the best evidence to use um, to demonstrate kind of what what um, what the, the 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 credit market thinks, what bankers think about Clearway is uh, Clearway was able to refinance around six hundred million dollars in debt in December, at a lower interest rate. Um, banks don't banks don't do that if if they're concerned about your ability to generate cash flows and repay your debt.
0: Right. Yeah. So it's not to say that these bankruptcy risks aren't real, aren't something to be concerned of as a shareholder and continue to monitor. uh, But I I wouldn't be um, as scared as you might be otherwise when you hear bankruptcy. When you hear 30% of cash flows. Right. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Uh, California is going to continue to need electricity. Uh, PG and E, whatever it looks like uh, on the other side of bankruptcy, is going to need to continue, you know, purchasing uh, power that it can't produce itself. and its problems are how it's managed uh, its existing assets and its 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 infrastructure of of power lines and gas <clears throat> and gas lines. Not that it was overpaying for the for the power that it was buying from from yield codes like Clearway. Sure.
0: Yeah. So hopefully they keep the lights on there for you there in uh, in California <laughs> in California, <laughs> Jason. I know they've had the, those rolling blackouts. Um,
1: I have. I, I have solar panels now, and I'm planning on getting a, a, a storage system sometime in the next uh, year, so I won't have to worry about what my my local utility, which is Southern California Edison, uh, and they they I'm also I'm not, not exactly a big fan of them either. But I, I plan on removing that uh, that uh, thing from the from my from my problems. Yeah,
0: I, I don't blame you, Jason. Uh, you know. We're gonna move on from the stock talk here. A couple, you know, I like to talk with you about uh, college football a little bit. Um, and we just had the national championship on Monday. As you look back over, you know, this past season, what were your kind of biggest takeaways? Uh, what will you remember?
1: Um, um, I will remember that Alabama lost um, <laughs> mu- much, much sooner in the season than anybody expected. Uh, losing, uh, losing a home game. It's been a while since that's happened for Alabama. But at least you lost at home to the eventual national championships. My Georgia Bulldogs lost at home to an eventual four and eight South Carolina team. So, (laughs) yeah. Uh, But we also we did win the Sugar Bowl. So very exciting. You know,
0: you know, we we can't be in the SEC championship game every year, Jason. But but, uh, you know, one of these days we'll we'll get back there. Uh, I do want one thing I want to ask about is obviously this year in college football. Uh, The biggest thing has just been so many incredible quarterbacks. You know, Joe Burrow won the Heisman. Tua is coming out this year. Um, Trevor Lawrence had had another great year. As you look to the NFL, you know Tom Brady's towards the end of his career. Uh, Drew Brees coming, uh, you know, starting to to hit the, the the twilight of his career. As you see these new quarterbacks rising up, kind of how excited are you to watch these folks as they you know move on to the pros?
1: You know, one of the things I'm really excited about is that you look at you look at Joe Burrow, and he's he's somebody that in a lot of ways he's like the prototypical quarterback that we've seen in the NFL for for 40 years, right? He's six foot six. He's got a cannon for an arm. Uh, he stands high in the pocket. He makes all the throws. Uh, but oh, by the way, he can also outrun most of the other team's linebackers and extend the play like crazy. I think it's so exciting right now, right, that the the that you're seeing this shift away from from the pocket passer uh, to, or the, or the, the, the quote unquote dual threat, which was always really just code for the guy that runs. And you have these guys that are truly phenomenal athletes at, at every aspect. two is another great example of that. This is a guy who's got an absolute cannon. He can hit, he can make every throw. He's got precision, but he's also super fast. And, and so, but these are guys like, you know, that, that I think you're starting to see more and more because guys like Breeze and uh, the Packers quarterback whose Rogers. name's just, uh, Rogers, these th- you know those are guys that kind of you know start really 10 years ago started showing how valuable that was right that ability to to create separation extend the plays and 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 then make and then make the big throw or oh by the way they could also they could also take off and run a little bit if they need to but this is the next evolution right taking it to the next step so I'm really really excited i might start watching the NFL again
0: yeah, hey, you know that's uh, you know it's, it's another year until college football. We'll get a little bit of co- a little bit of uh, a football fix here with the the playoffs. But uh, excited to have you on, Jason, as always. And uh, next college football season, I'm sure we'll chat some more.
1: Yeah, we will. We will. I'll, I'll say this: I'm pretty excited. We've got pitchers and catchers are reporting in less than 30 days, so I can uh, I've got I've got something to go to here uh, here in mid February the astros cheating scandal is exploding on twitter (laughs) right now can you remember the last time baseball got this much news in january
0: it is absolutely there's all these reports of altuve and bregman using buzzers in their jerseys and there's a burner account that's claiming to be beltron's
1: niece that all, all kinds of stuff it's crazy Boobie. Well, folks,
0: we're going to have to let you go so me and Austin can hop on Twitter and follow this this breaking news. Um, thank, <laughs> thank you for listening, as always. And remember, as always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass. For Jason Hall, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening, and full on!